0: When I try Death Wish coffee, it feels like Jesus Christ himself washing down my throat. But Kurt, this is a lot of coffee. You must have spent a ton of money on it, and not just American dollars, but Canadian money. Fuck, no, I didn't. I used coupon code Three Nerds and got ten percent off. You can too. In a world of lame, nerdy podcasts, one, no three, and maybe sometimes more nerds will rise to the challenge. We hold the studios accountable. We celebrate the amazing feats of cinema. We sometimes rage out. We are the Three Angry Nerds Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Three Angry Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is just me. (laughs) Uh, To be fair, there's not a whole lot going on. And um, yeah, uh, some people like to sleep in. Uh I I had a weird sleep last night where I kept like waking up and going back to sleep, waking up and going back to sleep, so it is is what it is. Um yeah, not a whole lot going on. Um but uh yeah. This will likely be a short episode and that's okay too, but uh just thought I could at least lay out expectations now. Uh let's just hop into the news because there's not there's no one here to pre ramble with uh the rumor the hot rumor this week is that the new mutant star Anya Taylor-Joy who's not just known for the new mutants but obviously in the context of a comic book movie I think most people would remember her for that stunning flop of a film uh which actually saw in theaters I'm very proud of myself for that I should say uh because I'm like one of the the four people who saw it in theaters um yeah she is being nominated for Fantastic Four's Female villain. A uh, lot of speculation about who she could be playing. We don't know a whole lot about uh, the Fantastic Four movie. I mean, we know, obviously, it's going to have the Fantastic Four. Uh, we've heard that it's some. It's going to have some level of a galactic... <laughs> Galactus? Galactic? Uh, some sort of, like... It's not going to be an entirely Earth-based or entirely grounded story. We don't know too many details on what that means, but... Uh, There's also the rumors. This kind of gets out of the fact territory into rumor territory, where there have been rumors that we're going to be seeing Galactus in this movie. Um, Which, hey, the last time we saw Galactus in the Fantastic Four movie, he was a swirling cloud. Lots of room for improvement, in my opinion. Um, And if you know anything about Galactus, he has his heralds, these people that act as his sort of servants to prime worlds for him to eat uh we've heard another separate rumor again this is not fact this is where this all kind of gets a little like ambiguous because it's like there's been rumors that silver surfer will be female oh and now anya taylor joy is playing a female villain so a lot of people are making the connection that she'd be playing the silver surfer uh, i think when you play this game of rumor on top of rumor it's like it's like a game of telephone where things kind of lose their original maybe intent or purpose or message we don't know obviously um would you be make a great vent or a great uh, silver server sure why not what <laughs> silver Surfer is not the most exciting character in the marvel universe I don't think Audrey uh, Taylor Joy is uh, really going to um, undermine any interesting character traits of that character. I think, if anything, she's going to improve it. So, uh, if this is the case, I'd say yay. If uh, not, Silver Surfer, cool too. Um, maybe she's playing Doctor Doom. Who knows? Um, I, I think, personally, I, I, I hope that Fantastic Four does leave a little bit of crumbs for Doom. You know, maybe we hear of him. Maybe we get allusions to him. But I don't want him to be primarily in this movie. I, I would be fine if he shows up in a post credit scene. You set him up for a future project. Obviously, Secret Wars, he's a big player in that. So I would have to imagine that they're going to set him up for that. Um, but I, I want this to focus on Fantastic Four and... Let's say Galactus. Like that. That sounds like a good, good first outing for me. Would I like to see some different villains for Fantastic Four? Of course. I think there are some that uh, we haven't seen yet that um, I would love to see. Like there's. uh, I mean, we've seen Doctor Doom and Galactus in the the previous Tim King movies. Uh, so I really didn't need to see them again, but like Annihilus, uh, oh man, even King the Conqueror in the MCU now, Namor also in the MCU, uh, Puppet Master, Molecule Man. Like there are different villains that we could see in this. I'm a little surprised that we're go- that potentially we're going back to Galactus. Um, I would have been fine with like. I think a nihilist would have been actually a really cool like first villain for the Fantastic Four, but I mean, obviously, their sequels uh, and a lot of their villains have been done already, like Claw or Ego, the Living Planet. So it does kind of obviously limit them. Um, Terax the Tamer would also be a good one too. I'm just spewing things, but Terax is also a Herald of Galactus, so we could potentially see him too. That's not a that's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. I'm just spitfiring here, but um yeah. Uh, speaking of Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom, Mad Men star John Hamm expresses interest in playing Doctor Doom. Sure, he's a great actor. If he wants to join the MCU, I'm pretty sure Kevin Feige is going to be like, "Let me grab the door for you, sir." Uh, he's he's not going to say no. Uh, and the thing with the Dr. Doom, too, is I need an actor who's okay with wearing that mask. Because if there's an actor who's like, no, you gotta show my face, fuck that shit. No. Doom wears masks. Fuck no to this bullshit of all these actors nowadays wanting to show their faces and not wanting to wear the mask of the heroes or villains or whatever. I mean, I get it for certain characters. I'm fine with it. But, like fucking Spider-Man takes his fucking mask off so many times so you see it's Tom Holland. And I'm like, no. He's Spider-Man. He's supposed to wear his mask all the time. Fuck. (laughs) It's like... It's like the biggest disconnect in any of these comic book movies. It's like... You need to have... You need to show the star of your movie like the reason you spent $5 million on this actor or whatever it is. And, uh... You know, at the same time too, like... The, the canon of these movies dictates that, yeah, these characters wear masks and wear things to hide their identity, but, yeah, so. I, whoever they get for Dr. Doom better fucking wear that mask. I am not dealing with no bullshit of, like, Julian McMahon showing his fucking face throughout the movie, and it's like, no, he's got to be Doom. He's got to wear the mask. That's that's a non-negotiable. So, John Hamm, you better be okay with wearing that mask, because you have to. <laughs> Uh, I'm changing things around a little bit in my own notes because I realize it makes more sense to talk about. Dave Filoni is now the CCO. Chafe. Chief, <laughs> Chafe. He's chafing all, that, all over the place. Chief Creative Officer of Lucasfilm. Good for him. Good for him. He's moving into the big leagues. Dave Filoni, obviously. He's been slowly but steadily showing that he's he's got what it takes to understand Star Wars and, and guide them into whatever is happening next. It would be nice if we saw some movies again. I'm not saying I don't like the Disney Plus shows, but Jesus fucking Christ, there is something to be said for sitting in a movie theater and eating some popcorn and watching a fucking Star Wars movie. And I have done that in fucking since... Well, I was going to say Solo, but there was also uh, R- Rise of Skywalker, but I guess less said about that um yeah so yeah I don't know come on Dave Filoni give me some movies to watch uh next up Melissa Barrera has dropped out of Scream 8 amid controversial comments on the Israel-Palestine conflict uh now Jenna Ortega also dropped out and a lot of people assumed that she dropped out because Melissa dropped and it wasn't the case It just was the timing of everything, but apparently Jenna Ortega dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. But if you've watched Scream 6 or 7, you know that... uh, Or sorry, yeah. That's it, yeah, 6 or 7. The new ones. Uh, You know that obviously those two are the big parts of those movies, so dropping your two major leads leaves you without a whole lot to do. Um... I'll be really interested to see how they explain their not being in these movies. The whole Melissa Brera thing, I know everyone's got different kind of views on it. My view on it is when you're working for a big studio, you got to be careful with what you say. And that goes for anybody. If you're working for a big company, you don't go out there making making comments that are going to get you into trouble. You know, you want to go make those comments in private to your friends? Sure, no one can stop you but you're an actress, you're somebody who's representing a brand and a company to make comments like that is obvious in my opinion a little blatantly kind of just disrespectful because you you are representing not just yourself. So if you want to start mixing in your opinions with your brand, how you represent yourself to the company, you got to be careful cuz you're going to start pissing some people off so i don't know obviously everyone's gonna have a different take on this some people are like supporting her and all this and i like that's that's fine but my whole thing is it's like this is no different than if i were to go work for a big fortune 500 company and then i start going out and be like cool i support controversial decisions like no you you gotta this, this isn't the same for anybody honestly you know I. You you always have to be a little careful. Hey, Spark, well, have you listened to the newest album um, by Smash Mouth? No, I haven't gotten my copy. Who you're, um, who you're kind of having your your conflicts with? Anyways, uh, sorry, I started running into an ad that's not supposed to play yet. Um, yeah, and then Scream Seven will reportedly have Nev Campbell and Patrick Dempsey returning. Sure, <laughs> I mean obviously nev campbell's gonna cost him a pretty dime not sure about patrick dempsey but i'm sure he'll cost a pretty dime too um yeah why not i think i would also be totally okay if they just brought in new uh new characters too but something tells me that they they don't want to do that but patrick dempsey was in scream three i believe yeah. Um. Yeah, because he didn't do Scream 4 because he was <laughs> filming Transformers Dark of the Moon. Talk about a bad decision. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, his character. Um. Yeah, he was in. Uh, yeah. Yeah yeah he i think he's like sydney's uh husband i think cuz like they kind of allude in in the the first scream reboot the 2022 film uh that she's got a husband but they don't really confirm too much information and um yeah and then i think in the movie from this year they mentioned that they're in hiding. So I don't know if it's outright confirmed that they're married and hiding, but I think it's like, I mean, I would be more shocked if they weren't at this point. But yeah, I think you're supposed to imply that Sydney and Mark got married after Scream 3 and did their thing. So I don't know. Would it be in, you know, also too like, that could make sense story-wise. I mean, people have been after the original people, for far too long and um you could potentially um you know tell a story where ghostface goes after her and her family sure i wouldn't be okay i would be okay too if they sold brought in some new characters and stuff but you know that also kind of sucks too because there are some actors in this that were in the last movie that would probably like to come back and probably would like to work so we'll see I'm very curious how this is going to pan out because obviously they were going to continue on the story from the Scream, uh, Scream 7, which came out this year, but I should rewatch that now. Maybe it might give me some inspiration on what they're going to do next. My bad. My bad. Um, but yeah, uh, speaking of casting, uh, Superman Legacy, we have Nicholas Holt as Lex Luthor, which, Sure. Uh I I have no problems with this. Obviously Nicholas Holt is a great actor. He kinda got the short end of the stick in those X-Men movies. But I mean there were a lot of great actors and actresses in that movie that uh, have gone on to uh other great roles, so and I mean he's done other stuff afterwards, obviously, but like I don't know. I was kinda like, hmm, it's very interesting that a guy who was in a critically panned movie would be doing something like that but anyways uh gabriella de feria will play the engineer uh who uh you know kind of has a bit of a well be a bit of a villainous role i'm assuming uh sarah sampeo will be playing eve tesmacher who is uh lex Luthor's kind of like right hand woman uh and then skylar Gizondo is tapped for playing uh jimmy olsen so that was like a fan favorite casting for a while i i think a lot of people wanted that to happen i think it's cool that um james got and listened to the fans on that one and, and probably just I, obviously i don't think he's gonna go and be like making an offer just based on what fans are saying but i think it's probably enough to bring him in for a reading and see what he thinks so Obviously, they they got along quite well, and uh, James Gunn hired him for the role. So, I think it's cool a cool win for comic casting. As uh, some deep cut fans may know, James Gunn also took my consideration for uh, Drax back in the day. Uh, I would have mentioned back when I was writing on comicmovie.com that they hired um, not Dave because he was when I got the role, Jason Momoa. And, uh, later James Gunn confirmed that he had actually saw the fan casting and and decided to bring him in. So it was kind of like a cool little bit of like, oh, that's, that's interesting. That's, it's interesting how the, how these things work. You know, sometimes people can inspire filmmakers to at least bring somebody in. If I was a filmmaker, I would be all about it. Like you're doing my work for me. Thank you. I mean, yeah, sometimes people are like, Bring in this actor that's now 20 years older and probably is aged out of the role. But, like, sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it works. Uh, Jackie Chan. Or, no. We still got a little bit of Superman stuff to talk about. What the fuck am I doing? I'm, we're not talking about Jackie Chan yet. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Perry White hasn't been cast. Mompa Kent can't have him been cast. And apparently they're looking for Stephen Lombard who's kind of like a comic relief character who works at the Daily Bugle. Or not Daily Bugle. Whatever it is. The newspaper. I can't keep up with the names of my fictional <laughs> publications. Um, yeah. Honestly, uh, Pa Kent, the guy that was... Uh, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was Peter Quill's uncle. He's worked with... Um, with, uh, James Gunn, uh, tons of times. He was also on Gilmore Girls, too. He was, um, yeah. Okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just going. Anyways, I'm trying to figure it out, who the fuck was playing, um, Yeah. Or no. Peter's grandfather. That was it. Yeah. The guy who plays Peter's grandfather. That would be a great park hint. He was played by oh, This fucking website doesn't tell me who he's played. <laughs> who played him. I know the the actor. I just don't uh, God damn it. Why can't the internet give me information like I asked it to? Um. Okay. Let's see. The Marvel Cinematic Universe fandom page. Better fucking have this information. Um, Greg Henry. That's the name. I would love to see Greg Henry as Puck Henn. He's a bit of an unknown actor, but he, is a, he, he was in Gilmore Girls and other stuff. And he's done a lot of James Gunn work. And I'm not saying James Gunn should hire everybody he's worked with for these things. But I think in this case I'd make an exception. Greg Henry podcast but i also see kurt russell playing podcast as well that would also be good too so we'll see um yeah uh as for the others i'm like i don't care <laughs> i don't care i don't know why i don't care about the others but i just don't care uh jackie Chan and ralph macchio post video searching for the next karate kid this is very interesting uh, cause obviously Jackie Chan was in the reboot, uh, with Will Smith's kid. Um, Will Smith's family is a loaded topic these days. Uh, and then Ralph, uh, Macchio, who was in the latest Karate Kid, uh, series on Netflix. So, uh, and obviously he was in the <coughs> original movie. Sorry. So, mm. What does this mean for the story? I mean, are they finally going to combine those universes somehow? I mean, that would be kind of weird because there was like two Miyagis. Then I don't know, multiverse of Miyagi. Um, that's would be a great title for a movie. But I mean, might even be the the title of this episode, multiverse of Miyagis. Um, yeah, uh, I think. Uh, I'd be really curious to see what this is. Because obviously they want to try to distance themselves from the show, probably. I think they might want to do something outside of the show, especially as the show's going to wrap itself up, hypothetically, and, you know, do its thing. Um, Yeah. So that'll be interesting. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. But I'd be... I'd be down to seeing a new Karate Kid movie. Not sure exactly what it would do, but um yeah I think it would be interesting to see what they they do with those characters but finally, speaking of bringing back uh, characters from the dead, Jason Bourne there's a new Jason Bourne film in the works with the all quiet on the western front director attached. Cool Born movies just keep on going. The last couple, I think, have been little misfires creatively and uh, commercially, but I mean, now is a good time. I think people would be interested to see good, solid action film in theaters. I mean, we have John Wick and other movies that are kind of showing that action movies are thriving still at the box office, so let's see what happens. All right, uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about a couple of reviews, and then we'll uh, wrap this episode up. Hey, Spark, have you listened to the newest album by Smash Mouth? No, I haven't gotten my copy yet. Oh, man, it's the bomb. Oh, I heard they were going to use this for that new movie with Mike Myers, Shrek. It's okay, I mean, it's no walking on the sun, though. Ah, a ghost! I'm the ghost of streaming future! What's streaming? You can magically play any song you want on almost any device. It's pretty cool. In fact, Amazon Music offers a three-month trial for new users to check out its selection. Amazon? Like the website that sells books? Yes. In fact, take a look. What's this? It looks like a remote control, but from the future. It's a advice that you can stream on. In fact, why don't you go to HTTP, colon, forward slash, forward slash, getamazonmusic.com, forward slash, freeing so you can try the service for free for one month. If you don't like it, you cannot subscribe at any time. Wow, there's a lot here. Yeah, there is. What's dubstep? Okay, we're back from an extended break where maybe I listened to too many repeats of a song that I shouldn't have. I'm in a, in a big Papa Roach s- stretch for a while. I don't know. Uh, it's 2004 or all over again, maybe. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about uh, a couple movies this week. Not a whole lot. It's been kind of slow, but it's what it is. We did talk about Napoleon last week, so Napoleon is not a bad movie, but might be your thing. Uh, but the other thing that was uh, releasing this week, the other... Big major release was uh, Wish, and um, Wish is a very good movie. Um, I don't know. I, it, it's harmless, is what it is. It's harmless. It's. Um, I think in watching the movie, like you can see where it's pulled influence from other Disney movies in the past. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I I wasn't very overly like stunningly impressed with this movie, but there were some things about it that I think worked relatively well. Um, in particular, like most of the songs, honestly, were pretty eh. But there was like a handful of songs that were like okay, good even. Um, I will say, I mean, this is a bit of a mild spoiler, but Chris Pine's. Magnifico is the villain of the movie and I did feel like the movie pivoted a little too quickly, a little too jarringly into him being a villain because he's like the king of this uh, world Rosa Uh, and um, yeah it just, it was too quick of a pivot, too much of like a like if you went to the bathroom and came back, you'd be like And understandably, that could be the case for any movie where if you leave for a big mess or something. But I just felt like there needed to be a bit more of a build-up. And I liken this a little bit more to Coco. Uh, Coco, probably one of my favorite Disney movies of the last ten years, let's say. Uh, Coco did such a fantastic job of setting up the villain in that. With just subtle little things to kind of like tell you that he was the villain before the reveal. So you kinda had ways of sort of building him up as potentially the villain and ultimately when that payoff happens, you're like, Oh, okay. In this it's like he he he's seemingly a nice guy and then he just turns his mood into like a, a different mood and then it's like always oh, the villain. And I felt a little bit jarring. it was a little jarring, it was a little too underdeveloped of an idea of having him be the king but also be the villain. I felt like I needed a bit more to that. Uh, I mean, and the other characters are mostly one note. I mean, Magnifico is probably the most interesting character in this, and even then, like I said, they kind of botched his characterization a little bit. Um, I didn't. I first I wasn't a big fan of the animation style, but it started to warm up to me, and I started to kind of dig it once I saw more of it in the movie. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll even say, like, I've raised my my score a little bit. When I first saw it, it was like a 6 out of 10 for me. I've kind of bumped it up to a 7. I, I do enjoy it. It's just, it's not top tier Disney. It's, well, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit, like, just, it's just below that a little bit. But it's still a relatively good movie. I just, I don't think I necessarily am super inclined to go watch it again. Not like Coco, which I saw, like, I don't know how many times I've lost count after a while. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, next up is uh, Eileen, which a new movie based on a book that came out in 2013. Or no, 2015, sorry. Uh, and funny enough, I had read the book. Uh, I'm not a big book reader. This is one of the few instances where I'm like, I've actually read the book. And I know it's cliche to say that a movie is not as good as the book, but in this case, it really is true. Uh, And it's such a jarring way, too. Um, For context, this is a story of, like, a secretary who... uh, She's kind of got some homo-erotic, suppressed feelings. I might not be describing it the best way. Please don't attack me, (laughs) internet. Um, And yeah... Um, along comes a character, uh, who kind of sparks a little bit of an awakening in her and, uh, third act goes off the rails. It's pretty much how it is in the book, but the book had a lot of subtlety and nuance. And this movie is like just a little, I want to say it's like a little bit shy of, of 90 minutes. I can't remember the exact runtime, but it was around 90 minutes. And it loses a ton of that subtlety and a ton of that nuance. I actually... Normally, I'm like, make a movie short, make a movie short. This is a rare case where I'm like, actually, I wanted more. I wanted you to flesh out the characters a bit more and give a little bit of that subtlety and nuance so that when these things happen, you have a, a, a line, like a way of explaining it. Um, and so... Things kind of haphazardly or jumbled together, and if you don't have the context of the book, understanding what happens in the third act and the pivot that the story takes, it—I don't think it makes sense to you if you don't have the context of under of having read the book. Like watching this, I actually rewatched the scene, like kind of where the movie starts to have a pivot. I kind of rewatched it like a handful of times just to be like, is this just me? And no, like. It is a case, at least in my opinion, where the movie kind of... It loses a lot of that explanation and that nuance. And, again, if you don't know what the movie's trying to do because you haven't read the book, a lot of it's going to get lost on you. Um, So I know it's cliche to say the book was better, but I actually do believe that to be the case in this. uh, Where if you... If you haven't read the book, to understand what's happening in the third act, the movie doesn't give you that explanation. So, um, it would have been nice if they had maybe explained things a bit more and give a little bit more nuance to the characters in the story, but they didn't. So, uh, I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10, just because like, I really do think a lot of what happens in the third act is hugely important to the movie. And with it not being properly explained as well as it is, I think it's going to be really jarring for a lot of people to watch this and uh, enjoy this if they don't quite know what's going on in the movie. Okay. And then finally, um, final review this week, we do have the Blu-ray release of Oppenheimer. So, that's out. Yay. Um, I was lucky enough to be sent a copy of it. And... It is a very great transfer of a movie, but more importantly, and I think Blu-ray enthusiasts like myself will understand this, Christopher Nolan movies always have the best special features. Always. Always. Without fail. Nolan does not fail to deliver on special features. And I will say, I was like an 8 out of 10 on Oppenheimer. I wasn't like fully sold on that movie like some people were. I will say this Blu-ray, I'm just going to give you my score right now, is a 9 out of 10. Because it bumped up the movie. It makes the movie more enjoyable for me. Um, I found there was a lot of the special features really did a great job of explaining the different aspects of the movie and how it all came together. Honestly, this is probably like one of my favorite Blu-rays of the year. It's just unfortunate. <laughs> I, the movie's an 8 out of 10 for me, so, you know. Uh, but I will say, like, if you enjoy this movie, this This Blu-ray is a very logical, easy buy for you. Because you're going to get a lot out of this movie. And I figure most of you who like Oppenheimer, like me, are interested in the art of film and how things come together. So, keep this in mind. If you enjoyed Oppenheimer, this is a a must-buy. Because it's going to help flesh out how that movie was made. And you can cite... Certain elements at parties to entertain your friends. I don't know is that how people uh, socialize. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna give this a nine out of ten. Like I said, it was a very good Blu-ray. I definitely would recommend it if you're um looking to add it to your uh, Blu-ray catalog this year, or give it as a gift, and that would be another good option too. Okay. Uh, that's it for this episode. I, I think there will be some people on next week to talk about Maestro. So. We have that. Until next time, everyone. Bye for now.